0: You're listening to The Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal L.A. Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Well, it's good to be here with everybody tonight. I do want to uh, just kind of mention something. Uh, No, it's it's a good thing. I wanted to commend a few people for helping out tonight that... uh, normally aren't up front. Chris Elway, Mike Halo, and Sean Payne, thank you guys for leading us in worship this evening. You know, and uh, hopefully, as the uh, weeks, months, years go on, uh, I know there's a lot more talent in this group. Uh, A whole bunch of you guys are singing. Uh, We've had, you know, very few up front. With that, I did want to... uh, commend Brian boss Brian is not a singer but I'm telling you God is pleased and immensely with his heart and his willingness to take on the responsibility that he has with that Um, I hope that there may be a few of you that are convicted and that hasn't been your heart and uh, we kind of know how God feels about those that bury their talents right so uh, we'll actually have a lesson here in a few weeks that will uh, help you identify your talents and then uh, do something positive with them to glorify God. Amen? Amen. just want to do a little bit of a review, but I did have one announcement uh, right out of the shoot here. Uh, we have a few of you that were in Night of the Nativity last year, right? Why don't we get you guys to raise your hands? Well, stand on up. Either it helped with the production or we're in it. Why don't you guys stand up? Amen now you guys may or may not be aware of this we had between the two shows close to eighteen hundred people in attendance out of those eighteen hundred it was just a little bit more than three hundred that were christians that, that should be a big wow so I, I don't know uh, you know from a standpoint of getting people out to a church function when the last time you guys can think of where we've even had one-to-one visitors let alone for every Christian, six non-Christians. So, uh, we did want to let you know that it is up and going again. We have uh, auditions on October 10th. Uh, this year, all the roles that are involved are paid roles. Somebody, everybody will come away with something depending upon the uh, role that you're in. Uh, they are wanting you to bring a headshot and a resume with you to the audition. Again, uh, it is on the... Um, it will go out on CCB to everybody. It is on the South Bay uh, Church website right now, maybe on a few of the other ones as well. Angie in the uh, West Side is like phenomenal in keeping you guys up to date with things. So just wanted to mention that. That is coming up. Uh, for those of you that uh, want that opportunity for fame and not a whole lot of fortune, it's a great opportunity to be involved and have an impact in the community. And then uh, just another little reminder here about our small group leaders meeting. Thank you, Stephen. Which is taking place September 19th? Anybody know where the location on that is? Right here. here. Uh, uh, We're going to have some gourmet desserts on the front side and the back side. Great time of fellowship. Uh, We'll be hearing from each of the individual ministries. And Jackie and I are going to we're going to have a charge for all the uh, small group leaders as we kind of wind down 2015. Uh, We we talked about leadership. We heard about the conference. These are the dates on the rest of the midweeks in September. And uh, what have we been talking about? What is it God wants? Humble, transforming, passionate, fruitful disciples. Amen? Amen. And we know that the means of doing that, and we're going to keep talking about it, because it's something that I think we really need to engage on at all levels, is these three components, connecting, changing, and thriving, and what the implications are for us personally with our personal walk with God, as well as what that looks like for those in our communities as we do to others what's been done to us, which is we've all been ushered into the kingdom, right? We've had the opportunity to hear the good news. So we've got uh, basically for our series over the next few weeks, it's uh, well coming off of last week, Kingdom of God, Seeking First Kingdom. What does that look like? Anybody? I know it was last week. Most of you are younger than me, so your short-term memory should be better than mine. What does it make, mean to seek the kingdom first? Yeah, we're devoted to God. We're devoted to the fellowship. I mean, Jesus summarized it very, very succinctly, and that we need to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. Seeking first the kingdom is really understanding what God expects. And we did mention that it's seek first the kingdom and what? His righteousness. That is a huge component for all of us as disciples. What it means to be right with God. We're going to be taking a look at a a component of that today, but here's some of the titles for the next few weeks that we are going to be going after. Being prepared to... To serve. Right? To use your talents. To give sacrificially. To persevere. Because sometimes there's challenges. But tonight we're going to be talking about being prepared to answer. You know, when you think about evangelism, what comes to mind? Anything anything along the lines of what's behind me? There's a lot of stuff that falls within that realm. And somebody said, scared? Did I hear that? We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, too. And I think I've got some solutions to help get that one out of the mix. Because I do think that is something that really, in a lot of ways, is a major influence on what we do, what we say about what we've been given. You know, in evangelism. What comes to mind? Somebody said scared. Anything else? I mean, I got some hints for you in the back. What else comes to mind when it comes to evangelism? Sharing your faith. What does that mean? Telling your story. Sharing your life. Yeah, you know, this is good. We got participation now. I. On the front side, I could tell what people were saying. No, I can't because we got more people participating. So that's a good thing. But you know, what did God send His Son for? It's behind me. Come on! To seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus came, right? Because the world is in a perpetual state of lostness without God in our lives. The son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. You know, we need to think about this. What were our lives like before we came into the kingdom? What what is our relationship look like when it comes to a lost world? How have we been sharing our faith? And that's rhetorical. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus on that one. But I think we can take a look around on Sundays when we see, I'd say 95% of the faces we see are faces that we recognize that we're probably not going after this quite as aggressively as God has called us to. You know, tonight we're going to look at the importance of evangelism and how important it is for each disciple to be diligent, to be engaged when it comes to sharing our story. 1 Peter 3, verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do people even know that you're hopeful? Do people know that you've got hope? In this lost world, they should. Is it something that's evident in your demeanor? Is it something that's evident in the way you conduct yourself? Your interaction with other people? Or do you look just like everyone else? You know, there's a, it's interesting. Somebody said something about being scared in this passage. What do we see here in verse 14? Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. I mean, fear is a motivator in life. And a lot of times it motivates us to disengage and do nothing. That's what we see in the world today. It goes on, it says, But when it comes to giving that reason for the hope that you have, to do this with gentleness and respect, Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you and your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We can take a stand. We can say things. How many of you have received some form of persecution in your, your years as a disciple? Get the hands up. How many of you have experienced that in the last week? Look around. How many in the last month? The more engaged we are on this level, the more often that's going to take place. But the thing that's key is it doesn't really matter what people say in relationship to what we say, but our behavior, our conduct will shut them up. But there needs to be that contrast. There needs to be what Jesus talks about when it comes to the salt and the light of the earth. Be prepared. Are you prepared? Looks like he's prepared. I'm not quite sure what he's prepared for. You know, we've got a few survivalists in the world. There, there may be a few of you in this group. You know, that stockpile water and food, and you know, for the zombie apocalypse or whatever's that may be coming your way. See, I don't really give a whole a lot of thought to that. And that, as long as I'm right with Christ, it doesn't really matter what happens, what comes. You know, there was a, there was a lot of craziness that was going on in the Middle East, but. And I, I think if it wasn't for being a Christian, it would have really governed my conduct. But I really didn't care. I mean, my brothers and sisters can live with that violence around them all the time. Guns going off, bombs going off, guards with AK-47s all over the place. I know that the reason they're able to do that is because they're confident in the hope that they have in the blood of Christ. So situations shouldn't govern our conduct. Being prepared. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Do you have that answer? Do you even have the ability to tell your story to people if we're to come up? And we're going to talk about some evangelistic uh, practices right now. Turn with me, if you would, to Philemon 1, verse 4. Hopefully we'll hear those pages turning like we did last week. Philemon 1, verse 4. Paul says... I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love and faith toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. You know, right there we've got the beginning of the great commandment and the second. Love for God and love for one another. In verse 6 he says, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us For the glory of Christ. Paul was modeling Christianity for the believers. Many people knew the hardships that he had gone through. Many people knew his background. Many people knew what he endured when it came to prison. Being run out of town. Being beaten because of the stance that he took. And his prayers were that by participation in the faith that we... May become effective. You know, when we think about evangelism, isn't there action involved? How active are we in it? How effective are we in it? You know, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, it says, We cared so much about you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of Christ, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Now, is there a difference between sharing and inviting someone to church? Contrasted with sharing your life. You know, when you invite somebody to church, what does that entail? Usually, isn't it about, hey, you know, we got this cool church and, um, you know, we meet at 10 o'clock on Sunday and here's the address. I mean, doesn't that generally fall within the realm of what we're doing there? If we're giving somebody an invitation, you know, with uh, the likes of some of the graphics designers we've got in our group, sometimes we have some pretty cool invitations to hand out. But how much more attractive is a connected, changed, thriving life? You know, it was really awesome. A few weeks back, we had the opportunity to hear some of you share about how you felt God had lavished you in the various aspects of your life. And it was amazing all the feedback I got from so many of you after hearing others share and realize, you know what? God's lavished me too. And here's some of the things that God's done for me. Most of you guys feel pretty encouraged coming off of that night? Don't you think there's the same application for our non-Christian friends? I mean, people... We get beat up every day, right? The workplace, 405 Freeway, 110, 101, <laughs> the 10, you know them all. PCH. We're not the only ones going through it, but guys, we've got something better than what everybody else has. We've got hope. We've got faith in the blood of Jesus. We've got eternity with God and our loved ones. Why aren't we talking more about it to those that have yet to experience what we've experienced? The fact that God has lavished his love on us, that God has given us his son, that God has given us his best. There is a difference between giving someone an invitation and sharing your life. Yeah. Now, getting back to that whole scared thing, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Um, I'm going to give you two different translations on it. The first one's the NIV. For God has not given us a spirit of what? Timidity. How many of us talk about timidity? Is that that something you use very much in the course of a week? Yeah, you know, the timidity of uh, Bob Jones in the workplace is just astounding. You know, is it called timidity factor? You know, Holman's, the, the, the more correct translation on this is fearfulness. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Now, how does timidity... Or I prefer, how does fearfulness hinder us from spreading the gospel? What can make us timid? What can make us fearful? Let's open it up. Kike? Okay. Rejection. You you guys agree on that? Yeah. Let's hear you guys say it at the same time. What now? One, two, three. Rejection. Okay. Yes. Ridicule. I'm sorry? So it just, it maybe escapes you at the moment because of everything that is going on. Okay. Kike? I'm feeling weird. We are all weird. So what's the issue with that one? <laughs> Steven? Okay. Selfishness? Selfishness. Davida? Status in life. Status in life? Okay. There's effort. Yeah, you know, when it comes to all the other adjectives that were used to describe how we feel, do we want to really put that kind of effort into something that's so incredibly unpleasurable? But the reality of it is, somebody did it for us. Someone did it for us. We wouldn't be here. Someone had that hope. Someone hung on to that faith. Someone got beyond the challenges they felt so they could open our mouths and share that good news with us. John 7, verse 13. <clears throat> it's kind of interesting how the whole fear thing works out. You know, Jesus had been preaching or people that were following, but John 7, verse 13, it says, Still nobody was talking publicly about him because they feared the Jews. You know, we know the, the, the degree of fear that was involved there is if you were a Jew, the possibility of getting kicked out of the temple, right? Not being able to worship a God that you loved. And I think this is something we've got to understand. There is going to be that discomfort. Part of it is if we don't do it, it's just like anything. How many of you like starting a new job? Okay, we've got a couple of you. Maybe it's because of the job that you were in and you're kind of loving the new one right now, but that was by by no means a vast majority of this group. I hate starting new jobs. In the automobile industry, it drove me nuts. You know why? They have this thing called technology. How much software do you think was the same from dealership to dealership? A big fat zero. I hated it. I had had been out of the industry for about seven years. And when I went self-supporting in 2003, I went to work for Hummer. And I hadn't been involved with technology in seven years. And all of a sudden, I've got this financial software that prints those wonderful contracts that are four feet long that I had to learn. I told Jackie at one point, I I think I'm going to go back to selling on the floor, man. I cannot deal with this. This has got me stressed. But you know what, what happens? Do we not get through it? Do we not push through? Do we not endure? And then what happens with time? Does it not become easy until somebody ends up coming out with a software update? You know, I don't know what it is about software salespeople, and hopefully there aren't anybody there's anybody here that's going to be offended by this. But I, I cannot tell you how many times I'm told about how awesome the new stuff's going to be, and invariably it's months trying to dig out and get everything to do what it supposedly says that they the software will do. But you know, we do it. Why? There's a paycheck involved. We got to pay the bills. We push through. We'll endure. How much more so for the gospel? I mean, you look at the things and the discomfort we'll experience when it comes to self. I mean, how many of you work out? I'm not even going to respond to that one. <laughs> I guess you guys are all at that age where you're blessed with these hummingbird metabolisms and it's an non-issue. Some of us have to work at it. You know, there's a thing called diet and aerobics. Cardio. How many of us really, really, really love it? Okay, you know, you guys must be getting that dopamine endorphin fix or something. That's what's going on there. But you know, if you've been away from it a while, if you've been sick and you go back, how fun is it at the gym? I hate it. My, my max my max bench press is off by 30 40 pounds my max squats off by 75 to 100 pounds. I hate it But you know you work it back up to that point again, and it's sort of kind of enjoyable maybe once in a while But it's amazing the things that we do and will endure that we don't really enjoy How much more so our relationship with God and sharing that with other people See, evangelism isn't something we just go out and do. It needs to be something that we are. It needs to be something that we love and something which describes who we are. You know, it's one of the things I love about Jack and her mom. Uh, Jack and I have been disciples in November, it'll be what, 25 years? Yeah, 25 years, December 10th, 1990. Her mom's been a disciple 21 years. Jackie prayed for her mom 1,750. Okay, 1,508 days. And, you know, and there were a lot of things that she said to her mom. Early on, she told her mom right out of the discipleship study, "Mom, you know what? We're all going to hell." This particular denominational church that we've been into, and they got it all wrong. Didn't go over real well. But the thing that eventually won her mom over was the confidence in her conduct as a Christian. There was a point in time where Jackie's mom said to Jackie, through tears, I wish I had the confidence that you had about where you're going when you die. And there's something about mortality. It's something that every single man and woman on the face of the planet go after trying to extend. You know, right now with the baby boomers, your biotech industry... Is on fire even when things are going bad with all these different economies and uh, currency devaluation and the Dow Jones being down the biotech firms are raking it in hand over fist you know why you gotta be all these baby boomers that are try- trying to stay alive stay young feel good you know gotta gotta have the pain meds to kill the pain gotta have this stuff to make us look and feel younger and everything else that's out there why people are afraid of their own mortality. And we got the answer. We got the the means of giving them something phenomenal that they're not going to buy at a pharmacy. They're not going to find it at a store. They're not going to find it online. We've got it. And Jesus knows how significant that is, and he talks about it in John 15, verse 1, when where he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not pr- produce fruit he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. And just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown in aside like a branch and he withers they gather them throw them in the fire and they are burned what's the primary issue that Jesus is talking about here it's not bearing fruit you know you can get into all kind of philosophical arguments on this some people say it's the fruit of the spirit it's not if you break it down and you go through it it's not but even if it were if We were producing the fruit of the Spirit in light of what we have in Galatians 5. Would we not produce the kind of fruit that's being talked about here? If the fruits of the Spirit are something that are going on in our lives, we're going to be outwardly focused. We're going to be loving. We're going to be gentle. All those things are going to be visible to everybody else that we come into contact with. And guess what? They're going to want to know why you have the hope that you have. Why do you conduct yourself the way that you do when everything else in the world is spinning out of control around you? Everybody else is cussing up a storm. Everybody else is stressed out of their minds. Everybody else is backstabbing. And you're the calm in the center of that storm. They will see that difference. And that difference will help bring them to Christ. See, the primary element in bearing fruit, it's right here. We've got to remain in the vine. It's staying close to God and each other. And they're basics. Are we in the Word? Are we going after that sustaining energy that comes from the direction of God? John 1, Jesus Christ is the Word. Are we in it every day? Are we praying every day like our lives depended on it? And spiritually, don't they? Primary element in bearing fruit is staying close to God and each other. You know, we've been talking about this the last few weeks. The need to connect, worship, friendship. You know, corporate worship is where a lot of you were one to the faith after someone gave you that invitation and got you out to church. I know for me one of the things that was amazing was the degree of vulnerability both the ministers and the people that got up and did communion had sharing about their lives. For me to realize, you know what, I'm not the only derelict on the face of the planet. This is kind of cool. I mean, these people have been fixed through the blood of Christ. Maybe I can get fixed too. Change. Where does change, where does transformation come from? Discipleship. And then a thriving church is a church that's made up of each and every individual that owns it. Ownership. They're a part of it. They're using the individual talents and abilities that are unique to each and every one of us to glorify God. Second Corinthians 5, verse 1. See, when it comes to connecting, when it comes to changing, when it comes to thriving, if we fail in doing this and staying in the vine, we can do nothing. Second Corinthians 5, verse 1. This passage is loaded. We're going to go through the whole chapter. It says, for we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, we have a building from God. An eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this body. Some of you were doing a little bit of groaning tonight. You know, tired. Aches and pains, stuff that happens. You know, car accidents and messed up backs, messed up necks. All those wonderful things. Our bodies tend to kind of go downhill with time. So indeed, we groan in the body, desiring to be put on our dwelling from heaven. Since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are are in this tent, burdened as we are because we do not want to be unclothed but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. We've got the UPC seal stamped on us through the Holy Spirit. We hit the gates, the scanner goes on. It's not rejected or read approved if we've stayed in the vine, Amen. Yeah, you know it is when you put that card in there and it's kinda of towards the end of the pay period, you're it's taking a while and man you're thinking oh my gosh, man, I hold that money's in there. And then how do you feel when that approved shows up on the screen? Exactly. Amen. Till the next time. No. It says, and the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And we're confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. I want you to think about this. When you get up in the morning, do you aim to please God? It is a good question. And it's one we need to ask of ourselves. We need to stop and we need to take time to make that personal assessment. Whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. Is this our goal? It needs to be our goal. Why? What did God do for us? What did Jesus do for us? Think about that sin list. Think about who you were before you connected and changed. What did God, how did God feel about that? He lavished you with His love. He sent Jesus, His Son, to die for you so you would have that stamp of approval, the Holy Spirit, so that you'd be clothed in Christ, so you'd have the opportunity to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or worthless. We don't like passages like this, do we? How often have we heard this verse in the last year? We love grace. Grace. We love mercy. And those are good things. But God has expectations in light of what He's done for us with His Son. For we all must all appear before the tribunal of Christ so that each may be repaid for what He's done in the body, whether good or worthless. I don't even want to give a whole lot of thought to being repaid for being worthless. Because I don't think that's the kind of paycheck any of us would really want. Verse eleven. So we'll move on. Says therefore, because we know that the fear of the because we know the fear of the Lord, we seek to persuade people. Now that's another one of those things. How often do we hear about the fear of the Lord? And what was the motivator for these people to seek and persuade people? Fear of the Lord says we are completely open before God and I hope we are completely open to our consciousness as well. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you may have a reply for those who take pride in the outward appearance rather than in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we have a sound mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, Then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Is it our aim to please God? Do we understand fear of the Lord? You know, we talked about fear as a concept. It's amazing how Satan can use it to keep our mouths shut. In Proverbs, Proverbs 8.13, it gives us a little bit of a definition as to the kind of fear that's being talked about here. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Isn't that who we want to be? Yeah. You know, maybe some, some are in sin. And that, that form of compromise of that sin may seem to be okay right now. And you may think, you know, I, I, can, I can stop this. I, I can I can change, I can walk away from this. But understanding that to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Paul talks about it throughout his epistles, he talks about it through the book of Romans. The thing that's really interesting about this is it continues, it says, I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, and perverse speech. Psalm one eleven, verse ten. Psalm 111 verse 10 says the fear of the Lord, this is, a, this is a major one right here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Isn't wisdom a good thing? I mean, I, I know without the fear of the Lord, there was a heck of a lot of stupidity going on in my life. It wasn't really doing a whole lot of good of anything on any level. My marriage, the relationship with my kids, the workplace, anything. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. And it's interesting. We we look at this fear of the Lord being the contrast to evil. This fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then in Acts 9, 31, it's not, it's not surprising that because of that fear of the Lord, the church was growing like crazy. Why? If you fear the Lord, you hate evil. Right? If you fear the Lord, you're wise. So what's going to be the outcome of that? Let's take a look at Acts 9, verse 31. <coughs> it says, so the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. That's a good thing. Unity. And part of the reason for that is in the next portion of this verse, it says, being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And what happened to the church? It increased in numbers. That fear of the Lord produced unity. That fear of the Lord produced peace. That fear of the Lord produced impact. How should the fear of the Lord motivate us to persuade people? Wisdom, hatred of evil in others in our own lives a sense of urgency knowing that where does where does evil ultimately lead damnation hell we've seen a lot of death the last few months it's been a wake up call for me i got a phone call from a buddy of mine who's got prostate cancer he's going to be starting chemo in october Real close friend, the first thing that went through my mind is, man, is this going to be another funeral I have to do? It hits us emotionally. But it needs to be a wake up call. And that we have friends and family members that have yet to become Christians. How much more urgent would they be if we were urgent with them? And we were able to convey to them the hope that we have in God. That that hope was the thing that motivated us to persuade others. See, Paul was willing to be out of his mind for the sake of others. Isn't that who we should be? Isn't that how we should be? I think at times we need to be this way to help other people become disciples. Let's continue in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. It says, from now on then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way, Even if we've known Christ in a purely human way, yet now we no longer know Him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. You know, we think about that connection we made. However we made it. The first time someone invited us to church. The first time we showed up. The first time we thought, you know what, maybe there's hope for me. Maybe I can get out of this life of immorality. Maybe I can get out of this life of drugs. Maybe I can get out of this life of depression. Maybe I can fill in the blank. And then after the connection, and we get into the Word we start to apply it. We see the power and the wisdom that God has sitting right there for us. And with that, there's change. I love the way this is written in the Holman's Bible. A new creation. Old things have passed away. I love that about my old life. Things that have passed away. And and the way it's emphasized here, and look, new things have come. See, that's something else we need to take the time to assess from time to time. What are those new things in my life? What is the difference in the way I conduct myself? What is the difference? And it's there. All of us have those new things that have come into our lives because of being surrendered to Christ. You know what? Maybe right now you can't see it, but it's there. And we need to remember what our lives like were like before. That gives us the contrast that helps us see the power of God working in our lives. Everything is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, this is amazing. Therefore, because of all that, because of what Jesus did for us personally, because of the God that is amazing, the Creator of all things, the love that He lavished on us, because of that, we are ambassadors for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us. Do you feel that way? We can. We should. We need to. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. You know, one of the things that was amazing about the passing of Scott Hachia... That was amazing about the passing of Rigo Castillo was the impact that these men are still having today. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Scott's deathbed. This is exactly what he did. I plead with you on Christ's behalf. Get reconciled to God. He's got a family members studying the Bible. He point blank told them yeah. my, my dying words. I want to see you in heaven. You need to study the Bible. You need to understand who God is. You need to understand what heaven is. You need to understand what hell is. And you need to understand where you're going if you don't repent. Those are the kind of talks he had. Rigo Castillo. Amazing. The influence that he had on Nicole. Amazing hearing his son, his youngest, Nick, share about how his dad continually, on a daily basis, Son, sit down with me. I want to read the Bible to you. Let's read the Bible together. And him not wanting to and not understanding why his dad was so excited about the Word. Why was he trying to stuff this down his throat? Why, why are you trying to make me do this? And then the last day that Nick was in the hospital with his dad, he was having a rough time breathing, laboring, in pain, And Nick remembered how the Word of God gave his dad peace, and he started reading the Bible to his dad. And it soothed him. The Word soothed his soul. His breathing came under control. Went to sleep. Four hours later, Nick realized he'd been reading the Bible for four hours. And he wants to study. Here's a guy that was fighting it tooth and nail, but had the opportunity to be exposed to it, through his dad's death, there's a connection now. But do we really want to wait until that point? Because we've got the ability right now, as it says here, we plead on Christ's behalf. Some of us have never even done that. Any of us can. All of us should be reconciled to God Verse 21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, it's pretty cool to think about that, that God would call us to be ambassadors. You know, what does it mean to be a minister of reconciliation? How should being an ambassador for God be? Make us behave. How should we conduct ourselves? Do we conduct ourselves like we're ambassadors? What does an ambassador do for a country? L- listen, listen, there's a few different responses out there. What does an ambassador do? Represents. Okay. Some probably do a better job than others, right? You know, having worked in the West Side years ago, one of the things I, I used, to, used to drive me nuts is you'd have these ambassadors over here who were their, with their kids with consulate plates. And these guys thought they were untouchable. I mean, there was a guy I knew of that was a rapist. And there was absolutely nothing that our country could do. It's because of the status that these guys are granted. How about us as Christians? Are we representing God the way God wants to be represented? He knows we can. We got the Holy Spirit residing with us. He wouldn't have given us that charge if He didn't think we could do it. He's equipped us to be ambassadors. The Ministry of Reconciliation. And the Webster's definition is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. We are accredited diplomats sent by God as His official representative to a lost world. That's who we are. And that should amaze you. I mean, kind of cool, isn't it? God sent me. God sent you. We are credited by God. That is huge. How does that make you feel? How should it make you feel? See, I think one of the things that we need to realize as fishers of men is as fishers of men, we're not just keepers of the aquarium. We need to think about this. We got, we got a little too comfortable with a fishbowl. We're not supposed to be comfortable in the fishbowl. We're supposed to be adding fish to it. And the way of doing that is being prepared to answer. Now, I've got, uh, just got a question for you. How many of you would come up right now Share your testimony for a hundred bucks behind this mic. All right. It's not it's not a trick question. If I gave you a hundred bucks right now, if I gave you a hundred bucks right now, how many of you would come up here and share? It's not a trick question. It should be every single one of us. It should be every single one of us. What I've done for you tonight... No, I'm not giving you a hundred bucks. Because <laughs> only a one dollar bill. I know nobody come up here and do it for that. Maybe somebody would. Now, I guarantee you though, if I up the ante, that went up to a thousand 1, bucks. I think it might have been a few more hands raised. Ten thousand bucks. Maybe maybe everybody in here. And I know for a, for a, I know for a matter of fact, if I had a million bucks sitting back here, every single one of you would be beating me over the head to try and get up here and get it. But here's the reality. And we've got to get to the point that we believe this because I think this is, this is a key factor. Isn't what we have to offer worth way more than a million bucks? We'd fight to get up here for the microphone if that was sitting behind me. How much more so should we be doing that on a daily basis for the ones that we love? So what I put together, it's on the uh, screen behind me here too. One of the reasons we have a hard time with this is we don't prepare. You know, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, working out, job, changes. We have to work hard to deal with those types of things. How much more so should we take the time and the opportunity to just have our story in our head? You know, I mean, it's it's really a lot simpler than this, but I know we've got some people that are very visual, and the more verbiage involved, the more helpful it is. For some of you, it may be nothing more than, you know what, you need to be able to understand, you need to be able to share the before picture. Who were you before you became a Christian? And then from there, how did you get connected? What got you to church? What got you to small group? And then once you connected, what was the impact? What started to change? Why did it start to change? Was there a scripture? Was it something somebody said? Was it a fellowship? Was it a song? Why did you change? And then ultimately, the last one would be thriving in Christ. Why do you do what you do now that you understand what Jesus has done for you? So I've got these as a handout. There's a hundred of them. It'll be sent out to you uh, in PDF as well. I'm going to put this out there as a challenge. In a month, I should be able to tap any one of your shoulders, and you should be able to get up here and share this off of this outline. Your life. Because, guys, whose life is it? I mean, I guarantee if someone said, I'm, you know what, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks to write an autobiography. You know, three-minute elevator pitch. Tell me about your life. You do it. Let's understand how much more is at stake. So when someone asks you about the hope that you have, it's not a matter of 401 Prospect or whatever the address is at MiraCosta. It's about you. Who you are. Who you were. What God's done. Who you are today. The changes that you've seen. The changes that you've seen other people make. Is Rico here tonight? I don't see him. It was really awesome. On Sunday... The family ministry had a baptism. It was the uh, husband, the non-Christian spouse. Wife was a Christian. Husband hadn't become one. And it was so awesome to be able to see what took place. First and foremost, we, the changes he saw in his wife and how that affected him. These guys were separated. Been, they, were, they were living apart. They were a few months away from a the divorce. They had a child between the two of them. Today, they're unified in Christ. And it was so awesome to see the level of excitement of the Casillas community group. Every single member of that group was there, involved, at the beach. They were involved in the studies, hearing Ron share about not just the brothers that studied with him, I think pretty much everybody in the group had the opportunity to have been in there with him at one point. And then just how, how loved he felt. You know, he commended the wives in the group for having him in the home, the meals that were prepared, the fun nights together, watching movies, playing cards, all the different things that took place. He was out at the retreat. And seeing all of you at the retreat had that much more of a greater impact on him. Seeing that corporate worship, understanding how his wife had been lavish, and him wanting to be lavish the same way, and understanding the only way that was going to come was through Christ. And then seeing them all at the beach partying afterwards, after he got baptized, having a meal together. And that degree of excitement... Because somebody made the effort to plead with him to get reconciled to Christ and those guys are all bouncing off the walls I mean the brother that led the baptism frustrated preacher man he went on and on and on and on my wife's tapping a watch right now so I better dial it on in myself but it was just so cool to be a part of that and that's something that we can all do we all have a story so let's take the opportunity come next month if I tap you on the shoulder, you give me a smile. Like, amen, my brother. I'd love to share. You know, I'd love to see a lot more of you singles on Sunday, you know, doing communion, talking about your life, how God's worked. I mean, you guys are proud of this ministry, right? Yeah. Proud of the impact that God's had on you. Yeah. Let's take the opportunity so other people can hear it. I mean, I get tired of hearing from family ministry on Sundays. I do. I mean, it's same old, same old, you know. Man, they got marriage issues and you know, they got kid issues, and God gave them the opportunity to overcome the marriage issues, and God gave them the opportunity to overcome the kid issues. Let's get some of you guys on up there. Because you know what, we we've got singles that are visiting and want to hear from you as well, amen. Love you guys, you're awesome. Let's be prepared. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.